Good evening. So glad that you could join us this evening as we celebrate the, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Does everyone have a candle, either a live candle or a battery-operated candle? We want to make sure everybody has a candle. Looks like we need one up here. Is there a, Yeah, thank you, Jason. Also, just to let you know, when the service is over, if you'd like, uh, you may take your poinsettia if you had purchased one or sponsored one, however you want to word it. Um, but if you'd like to leave it till tomorrow morning, that would be great uh, because they'll, they'll grace the, the sanctuary tomorrow morning then too and, and keep it beautiful. Yep. Do they get their own sleeve? Take it with them? Okay. So the sleeves are in the front pew. So if you take your poinsettia, you want to put, the sleeve, put it in the sleeve, the sleeves are here on the front pew. Hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I'll ask you to please stand as we sing our first hymn together. Hymn number 108.
I'm going to ask you to join me in reciting our responsive reading called Christ in Prophecy. But first, I think I should pray. (laughs) I realized I've just zoomed right into this without any kind of prayer. Heavenly Father, please forgive me for jumping into this without including you. We're here because of you, Lord. We're here to celebrate your birth. We celebrate the birth of this tiny little baby, but was an awesome God. And so, Father, I pray that everything that we do here tonight would be to your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'll join me in our responsive reading. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, And he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. These words from our responsive reading were the words of prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi. These were all the things that the Hebrew people were looking forward to someday. But there was a period of about 400 years when it seemed like God got quiet. There were no more prophets, no more prophecies. Had God forgotten about his people? Then an angel appeared to a young girl, probably about 12 to 14 years old, And everything changed. I'm reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Gabriel was telling Mary that the hopes of the Israelites were not in vain. Everything they had heard from the prophets was going to come true. In 2 Samuel 7 we read, But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord says. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. My love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This was a message of hope. The Israelites would someday have a king that would rule forever. And so a lot of little boys started getting named Yeshua. That's because in Hebrew, your name meant something. A lot of times it described you, or at least it described the way your parents hoped that you would turn out. So a lot of mothers were naming their sons Yeshua. We pronounce it Joshua. It means Yahweh, or God, is salvation. They gave their son this name, hoping that it would turn out to be true, hoping that their son would be the promised Messiah. Maybe a little prideful, maybe a little arrogant, but none of these mothers ever saw their hopes fulfilled. Instead, God chose a humble little girl from a town with no credibility to have a son named Jesus. Jesus is the Aramaic form of the name Yeshua. Mary was going to deliver the child that would fulfill Isaiah's words of hope when he said, In the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We light the first candle on our Advent wreath, the candle of hope.
Gabriel told Mary that she was going to be pregnant and have a baby, even though there were certain physical limitations. He assured her that nothing is impossible with God. And do you remember her response? She basically said, okay, I'm his servant, let's do this. Gabriel convinced her that everything would be fine. It wasn't going to be easy, but it was going to be fine. But then she had to tell Joseph, you know, the the man she was supposed to marry. She has to tell him that she's pregnant. Now just try to put yourself in his place for a moment. Your family has set you up with this girl. You're in the process of your one-year betrothal period, so it's like you've been engaged for a while now. And in a few months, you'll be able to start living with her and make everything official. She told you she was a virgin, but now she's telling you she's pregnant. And there's even more crazy talk. Is she trying to insult your intelligence now? She's telling you she's pregnant, but she claims she's still a virgin. And then she says the baby's going to be the savior of the world, and that the father is the most high God, Yahweh himself. Joseph has to deal with a lot of stress at this point. Reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So the angel Gabriel visits Joseph as well, and Joseph has a similar reaction as Mary. Okay, Let's do this. All that stress was gone. He's at peace with the whole situation. What's causing you stress this Christmas? The words of Zechariah in Luke's gospel tell us that the Lord will give us peace. We read, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness, And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. We light the second candle on our Advent wreath, the candle of peace.
when somebody gets good news, what's the first thing they want to do? This is for you. Tell somebody. Tell somebody, yes. As soon as the angel Gabriel left, Luke tells us that Mary hurried to see her relative Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant at that point. And when Mary says, hi, Elizabeth tells her, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Elizabeth just kept repeating over and over how blessed Mary was. Mary just can't contain all her joy. Reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. This is what Mary sang, what Mary said. She said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She says that all generations will call her blessed. And it's not because she is special in some way on her own. It's because she's a perfect example of what it's like to experience God's grace and his mercy. Her situation is clear. God doesn't owe her anything but she has received everything from him. Mary got good news and had to tell somebody. The evangelist and apostle John, the author of the Gospel of John, he had good news too and wanted to tell everyone about it as well. The very first thing that John tells us in his Gospel is this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We light our third candle, the candle of joy. Thank you. 
So why is all of this happening? Why was Jesus born in the first place? Because of love. In Isaiah 9, 6 to 7, we hear the prophet explaining. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A perfect description of love. Wisdom and guidance of a counselor, power and might of a ruler, provision and discipline of a father, and the peace of a protector. And the phrase, establishing and upholding his kingdom with justice and righteousness, that speaks of a perfect balance of law and grace. Jesus was born because of love. John three sixteen is a very familiar verse, and maybe a little too familiar. For God so loved the world... Wait a minute. Let's say that a little differently. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But there's more to the story. If you keep reading, we read that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We light the fourth candle, the candle of love.
So you've heard the words of the prophets. We've seen how God's promises have been fulfilled. The birth of Jesus is an example of God's faithfulness. But that's not all. The birth of Jesus also reveals God's heart and his character. Hope, peace, joy, and love. Qualities of God. Qualities we see in Jesus. He truly was Emmanuel, God with us. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, we read, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We light the Christ candle. Sleep. 
Heard about this baby boy Who's come to earth to bring us joy And I just want to sing this song to you Goes like this The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall The major lift With every breath I'm singing Hallelujah Hallelujah Couple came to Bethlehem, expecting child. They searched the inn to find a place for you were coming soon. There was no room for them to stay, so in a manger filled with hay, God's only son was born. Cross to still every breath. 
The ironic thing about the birth of Jesus is that it was an event that was noteworthy for its humility. Mary was an unknown girl in her early teens. Joseph kept Mary as his wife, knowing the ridicule they were both in for. They were from a town of no significance. The Savior of the world was not born in a palace. He was laid in a feeding trough. The story offers a real challenge to our culture today where self-promotion is expected. If you want to climb the corporate ladder, you're going to have to step over a few people on the way, right? Bragging is a way of life. Sports figures pound their chest in pride or as they make a good play, they cross their arms and they pose or they point to the back of their jersey so that you see their name. In today's macho world, being humble means being weak, being stepped on, or being pushed around. But that's not the way we as Christians should look at it. Humility means putting away that need to be number one. Humility means putting away that need for the spotlight. Humility means putting away that desire to knock everybody else down. Humility also means faithfully serving God with integrity. We should still strive for excellence, but do it without trying to run over somebody else. Do it without fanfare. Do everything not for the glory of self, but for the glory of God. There are two more parts of the traditional Christmas story. First, we hear about some dirty, stinky shepherds. Shepherding was the least trusted and least respected occupation right after tax collector. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, we read, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen 
which were just as they had been told. There's no bragging from the shepherds about the fact that they were the first ones to be told. They didn't expect an award for getting to the manger first. They just spread the word. They glorified and praised God for all they had heard and seen. They were the first Christian evangelists, the original Billy Grahams. They didn't sit still and thump their chests because of what had happened. They had good news. And what do you do when you got good news? <laughs> you tell somebody. You spread it. Okay, good. I need to try that again. And what do you do when you get good news? Tell All right. Tell somebody. The shepherds got good news. They had to go tell somebody. Do you consider the birth of Jesus to be good news? Yes. All right. Is it good enough to go tell somebody? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. The last part of the story involves some magi from the east, what we might call wise men or scholars, maybe ambassadors or astrologists. They were highly trusted and highly respected, just the opposite of the shepherds. That's what's so wonderful about this story. The Messiah didn't just come for the rich and famous, but he also didn't just come for the poor and the oppressed. He came for everyone. He came for you. And these wise men didn't come empty-handed. Nope, we know the song. They brought gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Now these weren't things that they just ran out and grabbed at Walmart at the last minute just because they felt obligated to bring a gift. These gifts had significance. They were the standard gifts to honor a king or a deity in the ancient world. Gold was a precious metal. Frankincense was a perfume. Myrrh was an anointing oil. Some of these gifts, like gold, for instance, would have material value. Others would have symbolic value. Tonight, we have some offering plates set up along the back. And many of you probably brought paper gifts in the form of dollar bills, or you brought copper or silver gifts in the form of coins. But I want you to consider giving a symbolic gift as well. Think about what you can give the king, the savior, for his birthday. Maybe 30 more minutes a week reading his biography. Maybe an extra hour each week helping somebody with something. Maybe a, a change in your attitude about a strained relationship. When you leave and you walk by those offering plates... I want you to throw that symbolic offering in the plate as well as any of your coins or any of your paper money. Tell Jesus what you're giving him and be serious about it. Consider it an IOU. In a week, you're going to be making resolutions and you'll be breaking them a week later. Make this offering a commitment. Say, Jesus, I promise to give you whatever, 30 minutes a week of my time. Or, Jesus, I promise to apologize to that brother or sister of mine that's causing so much grief. Or maybe, maybe you'll give him something really special tonight. We're celebrating Jesus' birthday, but he's actually a gift to us. He's God's gift of salvation, and all we have to do is believe that. So if you've never accepted that free gift, I would urge you to make that your offering tonight. Give Jesus your heart 
your life. That would be the best gift that Jesus could get on his birthday. When you walk by the plate, just say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Toss that offering into the plate. And then please see me after the service so that I can pray with you. We're going to sing a few more hymns now. You'll see that we're not going to sing all the verses of these hymns, but this is when we're going to start lighting our candles. I'm going to have the, as we start, I'm going to have the ushers come up and they'll light their candles from the Christ candle and then they'll bring it to you and you'll help the, the people beside you light their candles. Now please remember, if you've got light, keep it upright. Okay, I was trying to think of like some sort of a Johnny Cochran kind of thing here that, that reminds, so if you've got your candle lit, and it's, it's got light, don't turn it over. Keep it upright. If it's got light, keep it upright. Let the person beside you tilt their candle. We want to try to keep as, as much wax on the candles and off the floor as possible. But when they come by, just light your candles as we sing. And um, let's enjoy singing some, some songs to our, to our Savior. I'll ask the ushers to come up and to light their candles.
skip the skip the next one and go right to Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
Sam, could you turn the lights back on? While he's doing that, could you go ahead and extinguish your candle, but keep holding it straight up? Just want to give the wax a little time to, <laughs> to cool down. As I give the benediction, I'm so glad you're all here. May the light of the world guide your path, and may you and your family experience the hope, peace, love, and joy of Jesus this Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> to put the candles in. Boxes in the back. Thank you. <laughs>